Hi everybody, Bowen here from Slightly Biased Sports Talks. Just wanted to clarify a small mistake I made in yesterday's episode. I accidentally said that PSG were playing in the French Cup final against Montpellier. That was incorrect. They actually played in this French Cup semifinal. So with that being done, let's get into the episode. What is happening, everybody, and welcome to another episode of SBST. Um, you know, we got a lot to talk about today, Bowen. A lot of football happened last week. Mm-hmm. A lot of different things, different competitions, and there's a hell of a lot to talk about. Um, as always, I'm just happy to be here to talk. So um, you want to start us off alone? Or? Yeah, Milan. Um, so let's get started, Milan. I have, I have to give the floor to you, my friend, because this was one of the biggest results in AC Milan's recent history. Uh, their game on the weekend away at Juventus. You take the floor. Oh, my goodness. When I tell you guys the best day of my life, it, it it's as you can see, we're in a Milan kit right now. We're about to be playing Torino in uh, in a few hours, um, another t- a turn team that we hopefully decimate. But um, you know how it is. Uh, Milan came into this game a little shaky, in my opinion. Uh, I didn't like the lineup from the start, but boy was I wrong. The fans flooded uh, Milanello before the game. They um, stopped the bus with cheers and chants. Ibra got off the bus and started, or he was on the bus through the window, was uh, hyping the fans up. And it was all warranted for in the end because uh, that first half, we were all over them. That second half, we were all over them. Um, You know, Brahim Diaz shut me up big time. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's a guy that you've always uh, been pretty impressed with because yep. of his technical ability and I've always I've always been a fan of his technical ability but I just feel he's just a little bit too small and a little bit just not at that full level yet you know mm-hmm. I remember um back in 2013 we got adult or maybe it was 2014 now we got adult wrapped on loan and he was very very good for us and that's what I feel that level of adult wrap is what Brahim Diaz is at right now Okay. The thing is, Brahim Diaz has a lot of potential still because the dude is extremely young, right? Right, right. Um, my opinion, I think his ceiling is still about a cha- like a very, very, very good championship player. One of the best players on a lower team prime side. But I wouldn't say he's a player for a club of AC Milan stature. Okay. Um, either way, fantastic goal. You know, Ibra set a screen on... Um, on Wojciech Szczesny, who had an extremely rough day. That mm-hmm. goal went right over Chiellini's head. It was, it was, it was poetic. It was beautiful. Um, they they even tried to call a handball on it, which clearly wasn't a handball. It, it's always Juve with, with these with these skeptical handball <laughs> calls, this, that, and the other. You know, uh, Ibra got injured, unfortunately. That's right, um, yeah. That was in the second half, I believe. Yes, about, yeah. about the 60th minute, 65th minute, something like that. Right. Um. To be completely honest with you, like, yeah, I would want him to be back so we can, you know, uh, close out the Champions League push. But mm-hmm. my most important thing for him is hopefully he's healthy for the Euros. Uh, Interesting. He, Interesting. He just came back for, to the Swedish national team. And uh, that ACL that he seems to have hurt, he's hurt it time and time again. It's put him out for a very long time. Yes, he's come back. He's played very, very well. But that injury keeps recurring and I don't want him to have to cost the, he finally came back to the national team to compete with a good young core with Sweden. Obviously not in my opinion, going to win the euros, but they're going to compete with uh, the likes of Alex Isaac, 
mm-hmm. um, Emil Forsberg, uh, many, many young talents over there in Sweden. But um, I, I just hope he's healthy. Right now he's going to be out for a minimum a week. Uh, maybe he'll be back for Atalanta. He's going to be missing these first two games, though, today and on Saturday or Sunday, I believe. Okay. Um, but the story of the game, not even the fact that – also, I should quickly mention, Kessie uh, decided to do his best um, Sergio Aguero impression, missed the penalty. <laughs> it is what it is. Teo Hernandez could have scored at least two instead of passing. He could have just shot. We should have won maybe even 5-6-0. But the story of the match was Fikayo Tomori. What a mm-hmm. player. Wow. What a player, Bowen. I know you watched the game as well. I did. So you, you wanna you wanna maybe elaborate from your point of view? I did. Well, yeah, he was just dominant in defense, and also he scored that third clinching goal. Um, that ended up being the third and final goal off a free kick. He uh, went up in the air and put it in the back of the Juventus goal. Uh man, what a player. AC Milan have not bought him permanently yet, but it sounds like there's talks of that uh coming to fruition, perhaps. Uh, as it seems Chelsea, you know, they might not need him. Uh, but for Milan, I think that'd be a great pickup for them. But what a player, what a game. And I think that really just, if there was any doubt on his ability coming into this last match, I think that that performance took all that doubt away. 100%. The composure uh, that he had alongside Simon Kerr, who both completely, with all due respect, pocketed both Ronaldo and uh, Morata. Those guys could not do a damn thing. Um, yeah. The only time they were able to bring in some creativity, which is, like I've said all year about Juventus, even last year, their best player is Pablo Dybala. He's mm-hmm. the most creative player on the pitch. He's the scariest player on the pitch. He has pace. He can pass. He can shoot. He's the best player on Juventus. And that's not to say Cristiano Ronaldo isn't great. But Cristiano Ronaldo is not at the level that what Pablo Dybala brings to this team right now. Right now, yeah. For what Pablo Dybala is, why is he sitting on the bench? These questions have to be asked of Pirlo and of Sarri last year when when Dybala was sitting on the bench and of uh, Allegri when Allegri didn't like uh, Dybala. Is it an attitude problem or what is it? Because there's no reason that someone of Pablo Dybala's talent should not be starting matches like AC Milan. Every single time he's played against us, he's destroyed us. Mm-hmm. This was the one game he couldn't do anything. And not only that, it's... We're talking about a player here in Dybala that's been at the club for years. It's not as if this is his first season and he's being kind of rubbed out of the squad. He's been around the club. He knows how it operates. And for him to not be or he featured, but for him to not have as big of a role as he probably deserves to have, you know, questions, as you said, questions have to be asked about Andrea Pirlo's managerial ability. Um, we all know how that all started off. He hadn't coached to stay at the senior level. And then he went from uh, straight into the job, a very, very green manager. Um, and it's, it's showing. Uh, obviously, the squad isn't as, ba- as good as it has been in past years at Juve. But with an inexperienced manager, it's only going to hurt. So what are your thoughts on that? Well, here's the thing. The squad is pretty much the exact same squad as last year. Maybe I'd say even a little bit better with the likes of Fede Chiesa. Uh, you've got Morata, which is actually a striker on the team instead of Higuain. Higuain is <laughs> MLS level footballer. Yeah. Um, right now, you know, yeah. Matthias De Ligt has been playing well. Merit Demiral for me is probably their second best center back over Chiellini and uh, Bonucci. Uh, Quadrado has had a pretty good season as he always has. Yeah. Uh, the versatility that he brings to Juventus that 
that's one of their most important talismans on Juventus. The fact that he went from being a midfielder to transforming himself into a right-sided defender. Whatever he does, whatever he, they need, he's there to do it for them. And um, he's got to get a lot more credit in that Juventus side, uh, whether it's through a wage increase or whatever it is. He he really needs a lot more credit. Um, the only really good thing I saw from Juventus in that game was uh, Matthias De Ligt, who as always, shows why he's such a touted young talent, right? Um, yeah, yeah, we did score three, and we did have a lot more opportunities, but if he wasn't there, that scoreline would have been a lot worse. Agreed. And is there? there's a couple of things I want to point out about this match and just the uh, the gravity of it. So Milan's first win against – or at first Serie A win at Juventus in 10 years. Their last win was on March 5th, 2011. Uh, Gennaro Gattuso was the goal scorer in that game. He scored in the 68th minute. I remember that match. Is this the biggest Milan win in the league in how long? How long? How like how important is this win to Milan in in the last 10 years? It's the importance is there's nothing to say about the. We know how important it is. This potentially puts us in top four, right? right. Um, we've seen, but the thing is. This reminds me of last season when we beat them 4-2. That was, although it was almost meaningless, that was so meaningful to me, right? Me personally. Uh, when we beat Inter 2-1 at home early on this season, when I remember the game back in Montella's era where Locatelli scored one of the most beautiful goals uh, from just outside, just inside the box on the complete side of the corner, he rifled it into the top left corner who... Uh, I don't know if we'll speak on Locatelli today, but that dude really needs to go to a big team because he is fantastic. Um, it's it's definitely up there. If this puts us into the top four position, because of course it's not done yet. Nothing's right. finished yet. Yep. Um, Juve does have a pretty tight, uh, a tough schedule higher than right now. They've got the likes of Sassuolo. They have Inter, who in my opinion will be firing on all cylinders considering the fact that Antonio Conte does not like Juve. Antonio Conte despises Juve for the way mm-hmm. he, they treated him. Yep. Um, and he will do anything in his power to make sure they don't make top four. Uh, yeah, a lo- yeah. Along with Marotta and all the other presidents in Inter, they do not like Juventus. And th- if they have any opportunity... The thing is, everyone keeps saying, yeah, 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 Juve is going to be in, uh, playing on Thursday nights. What if they make conference league? Is that in the realm of possibility? Could they drop down that far? If they lose every game, and I believe Lazio catches up, they can make conference league even, let alone Europa. And, um, you know, they have a tough schedule. That's actually interesting that you bring that up because Lazio do have a game in hand. Everything would have to break their way and Juve would have to basically lose out. But they do have a game in hand on Juventus um, and they're only five points back. So it's within the realm of possibility. Um, if that were to happen, Milan, I don't think, I don't think Ronaldo would be part of the picture next year. No way. Mm-hmm. He's this man only plays Champions League football uh, right now at this stage of his career. He's not dropping in the Europa League, and he's definitely not playing in the Conference League. So I think he's out of the picture. Um, as for the rest of that squad, it's as we've talked about. It's it's in Juve are in a really weird spot because. They crashed out of the Champions League this year. They're probably going to finish outside the top four. Where do you see them going forward from, from this point forward? We don't have to keep going about them. We, this is more about like Milan and the importance of that win for them. But where do you see Juve going forward, going going. forward from here? 
if you know me, there's any if there's anything I like more than talking about Milan, it's talking trash about Juve. So don't even worry. I'll talk about Juve all day, all night. Um, listen, Juve, it's been a dumpster fire for a while. They haven't really upgraded upgraded their midfield in a very long time. The fact that Weston McKennie is your best midfielder says a lot about your midfield because Weston McKennie is not that that great. He's a good footballer. Don't get it twisted. But he is not good enough to be a top midfielder for a top European side, right? Would you um, put Would you put McKennie ahead of Chiesa? Like in, in what way? In terms of ability, like they both play in and around the midfield. Chiesa's not an out and out forward. Um, like- I would say Chiesa's better. I think Chiesa has a lot more to his game. Uh, I don't like Chiesa because of the way he um, treated Fiorentina before he left. Yeah. Didn't even say goodbye to the team that raised him. That right. that's a completely different story. But I I do recognize Chiesa as a great footballer. Uh, he's good at a lot of things. Um, I just think McKenny being the best midfielder on that side or that best central midfielder. Mm-hmm. Central, is, yeah, centrally. Okay, is is an issue. You know, like you can't have like Benton two years ago would have been Milan's best midfielder by far. Mm-hmm. If you saw what he did against Milan, there was this one pass, I think around the 70th minute. He was just past the halfway line, and then the ball goes that way. Throw in. Where, where were you going? Where were you going? I don't know what happened to him. I don't know why he fell off so hardly, but he has not had a good season whatsoever. Um, Juve, you know, their ownership is in a, pl- a place where they don't really care about the football because if they did, they would have never hired Pirlo in the first place. It would, wouldn't have taken a rocket scientist to realize that a guy that has never coached, a guy that in his game, in, in the way he plays football, was never shown as a play, as a revolutionary player, but a very calm and slow-paced player. You, slow-paced football does not work in the modern era anymore, especially in Italy, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, there's no pressing from uh, Pirlo's Juventus. You you can see it against Milan. There was never a time that I wasn't worried that we were going to lose possession right. at all. Right. Um, like the only th- worry that truly was in my uh, in my heart against Juventus was the referee. That penalty maybe wouldn't have been given to us normally because yeah. of Paolo Valeri. Paolo Valeri is you you saw the amount of fouls that were and tackles that Milan went through throughout this game. And you're just like, where, like not even a call, not even a yellow, like what's going on. This guy, Kessie megs three players at the same time, runs down the field and then just yeah. gets bodied. Not even a call. You right. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the only thing that you really had going for them in terms of games like this. Right. Cause they didn't have any pressing at all. And there's a lot that has to be done in Juventus, but it starts with the ownership or I wouldn't say the ownership, but the presidency, because they don't want to hire someone that'll make you better. You know, um, before, uh, what's his name? Allegri left. Yeah. He said these players, or I think it was sorry, actually, before he left, he said, these players are uncoachable and everyone called him a fool. Right. That's right. But he's kind of proving them right now because no one's being, Pirlo doesn't have the balls to sub out Ronaldo and Ronaldo's getting locked up by both of the Milan center backs. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. D should have been starting the entire game. One more question on this match, and then we'll move on. Um, earlier this week, it came out that Juventus are sticking with Pirlo into next season. 
Um, granted, that just could be a smokescreen, perhaps. that They're just saying that for the sake of saying that maybe it won't actually happen. We don't know. But based upon that, based upon that comment, uh, where do you see, how long do you see Pirlo sticking on? I think his leash has to be incredibly short at this point, considering what they've achieved this season. Um, and if they were to move on from Pirlo, which I think they will, where do you see them going in terms of their next managerial hire? Uh, if he stays on, I think they can get top four next year just because of the state of Italian football. It's, it has nothing to do with the fact that they're uh, uh, going to get more comfortable with him. It's just Italian football. It just so happens Juventus doesn't lose for long, right? Uh, they'll be yeah. in the top four next year. They were very close this year and probably even still could. In my opinion, they probably still might. Um, but I think he's going to stay on. I, I would adore for him to stay on because he's a horrible, horrible, horrible coach. Um, if they do fire him, from what I understand, they're going to do everything in their power to get Allegri back. I think that's the only guy that would want to really come back. Sorry, wouldn't want to come back. I don't know if they're going to wa- be able to lure Zidane. Zidane would be perfect for them. Um, I don't know. There, there's a lot that has to be done in Juventus. Every position needs to be changed. Wojciech Szczesny is not at the level that he once was. Um, the only player, in my opinion, that's safe is Matthias De Ligt and maybe Pablo Dybala, but it looks like they want to sell him as well. All right. Um, so, yeah. Anyways, that's that with uh, the Milan talk. But in other news, in um, on Bowen's side of uh, the footballing world, Arsenal Football Club uh, in the Europa League semifinal, unfortunately, yeah. with a nil-nil draw against Villarreal, go out on aggregate to Villarreal to Unai Emery's Villarreal Bone, talk to me. Um, yeah, Moen. So we recorded our NBA show last Thursday, and then I was in the positive spirits because we we're going into the Arsenal game. And I said, you know what? This is going to be a good day. Just recorded with you. Um, it's the Arsenal game, big game, big, massive game, right? Semifinal, European semifinal. What did I do? Put in probably one of the worst performances I've seen under Arteta. Probably one of the worst performances I've seen from the club in years, especially considering the magnitude of that game. Um, it was it was devastating because that basically guarantees Arsenal are out, out of the European footballing picture for the first time uh, since the mid 1990s. I believe the 1995-96 season. Uh, dreadful performance. No creativity. Uh, the first half. Arsenal were playing as if they'd won the first leg 4-1. They had no drive. They had nothing going forward. It was a very cautious performance. Uh, it took them 15 minutes basically to get their first chance and actually get into the game. Villarreal were way too comfortable on the ball. They should have been the ones who were defending for their lives. But Arsenal, they could barely create. And it's just, it's just, um, it really sums up the season in one match, really. It's just inconsistency. Uh had a couple chances that on another day, maybe Arsenal get the rub of the green and they go in, but uh, Hey man, that's football. Um, I don't think Arteta is the guy going forward after, after that performance. I think that I was exactly what I I was going to ask you. I had my doubts and I think that really solidified my opinion on him. Um, Just based off the lack of attacking creativity. It was, and then not only that Pierre Emerick, Obama Yang, he has the two best chances of the match for Arsenal. He's subbed off for William. What are we doing? You want all your attacking players out there. This guy has the two best chances and he's subbed off 
for William? It's a, it's a disgrace. Uh, to not even score at home. They needed one goal. They needed one goal. Just one goal. Just one goal, and that would have put them through to the final. Um, obviously, I believe, and I had in my heart, that had they made it to the final and play, played United, they would have got exposed. So I'm not saying, oh, Arsenal, had they won this tie, they would have gone on and won the competition and football would be saved at the club. No, they probably would have lost the final. <laughs> Let's be real. Mm-hmm. But it was just a dreadful performance really summed up the entire season so yeah uh yeah that's ex- i mean i i also watched the match uh i guess from an arsenal fan's point of view you feel like there's no life no creativity but i feel like there was a lot of chances that you guys were extremely unlucky and uh and villarreal was extremely lucky there was this one shot that i fully remember perfectly that was going directly on goal and then somehow some way your really saves it with his ass you know like it, it it just no matter what you did, it was no. It felt like Arsenal. There was no nothing they could do to finally score. Like every chance, every chance, every chance was just getting saved. There were chances. Sorry to cut you off. There were chances, but it just wasn't enough to be actually seem like threatening. I don't know. It was like there, there wasn't any like through clear on goal. It, uh, a couple, uh, I believe it was in the. Um, the last tie, there was a chance in the home leg uh, where Aubameyang had a one-on-one like shit. There was no like clear-cut chances, I don't think. Like, yeah. There was some, but it wasn't enough to the point where, well, Arsenal is dominating, dominating this game. Like there, there was nothing like that. It was just, just really disappointing. Yeah, I mean, um, like you said, I was going to ask you whether you were Emery in or Emery out at this point or what really does Arsenal need? It's we know the situation with Stan Kroenke and the ownership of Arsenal Football Club. We know yeah. uh, what fans want on that front. We know who, who needs to get out, who needs to be sold to. Uh, a lot of uh, fans really want the Spotify co-founders, Daniel Ek, to invest into Arsenal Football Club. And he's very interested in doing so. Yeah. Um, but what, from a footballing point of view, does Arsenal need to... Because as much as, you know, I'm pretty sure there are only a few spots off of uh, the conference league right now as things stand. Or are they further down? They are, but... You don't want conference league. (laughs) This is the same thing as Thursday nights. That's the problem. Like, these kind of competitions... It's worse, Milan, because it's... Yeah, you're in Europe, but it's the conference league, man. It's not the Europa League. You're in the third-rate European football. It's only going to make the season harder. You'd honestly... Obviously, you always want European football, but it's a really catch-22 situation where you don't want to be dragging your players through these games. Uh, Arsenal, we both know, you and you and I both know how much of a grind the Europa League is. Add the conference link to that. Yeah, you're facing weaker competition. Arsenal would probably, I don't know if they'd go on and win, but like, they'd be one of the favorites. But you don't want it. Like, I think, honestly... And I don't, I'm, I don't know the runnings of a football club inside and out. I don't have the finances in a sheet of paper in front of me. You so speak from your own point of view. But speaking from a fan's perspective and like what I see with the Europa League, I, I th- honestly think a season outside of Europe, despite the lack of income, would be the best because you can focus on the league, 100%. You can focus on the FA Cup. You don't have to be bogged down by the conference league, something like that. Um, to your next question, as for the future of the club, Kroenke, you need to sell. If there's any saving grace that could happen this summer, it would be Kroenke selling. It's not going to happen. It's just not. Um, 
Daniel Ek, the whole takeover rumor is nice to hear. It's it's really nice to hear, but it's not going to happen. It's just, it's a pipe dream, honestly. So that's what needs to happen. But when you have an owner that treats a club as a financial investment and doesn't care about the on-field product, that's the result. It's all just a flex for people like Stan Kroenke and people like Joe Glazer. You know what I mean? Like they don't really care about the game. Um, To be able to say that you have a football club, you know, in the top division of England, a a historic football club, that's, uh, you know, when you're at the country club and you're playing golf, that's an easy flex to make. Right. But you're not making the team better as an owner. Right. Um, When Silvio Berlusconi came into Milan in the eighties, his priority was to make Milan better. He went and bought the likes of Marco Van Basten, uh, Frank Reichard, Ruud Hollett, and made us compete, made us stars, you know? Um, but it just seems nowadays in England, it's, these owners don't really want to help. Like, they don't want to help the team get better, you know? Um, and like you said, just quickly about the European thing, I wholeheartedly agree with you that if you're playing in England, it doesn't matter where you finish, you're going to make money. Uh, you don't need Europa League to make money. Yeah, it, it's a good plus, but you will have money either way. It all comes down to the ownership to want to spend it, right? Right. Um, yeah. And I believe Arteta actually called out Stan Kroenke today saying uh, he wants them to spend. He expects them to spend. If he wants them to get better, they need to spend this summer. Um, I I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't see that. I've been off social media today, but um, that's... If that's the case, I, uh, that would be good. But then again, I don't know how much leverage Arteta has there because he he very may well be uh, out the door in a couple of weeks for all we know. So, but yeah, you think so? You think they're going to fire him? You think they're going to keep him? Um, if no, okay, I don't think they will. I don't think he will go this summer at least. I think they'll give him one more window, just because just because if Arsenal was serious about winning and the ownership was serious about winning, they'd see how the club has stagnated in the, in the last, since, since Wenger's departure, really. Yeah, throwing an FA Cup win, that's nice, but does it actually help us get back to the Champions League? No, you get to the semi. It's been stagnation, aside from a nice little FA Cup win last season. If they were serious about winning, our title would have been sacked probably before the Chelsea game in December, honestly. I, I believe so, too. They were down in 15th. They were... Uh, relegation relegation i was was bracing myself for a relegation battle it was ridiculous uh they've they've crawled back in the ninth obviously they're about to play chelsea and probably get battered in about an hour but yeah man let's just move on because i i I know i know you don't really want to talk about i have i have just one more question for you um yeah yeah in your opinion out of realistic um you know managers if arteta is to leave who do you think is a good fit for Arsenal? Um, I would love Allegri if he's out there. Um, I think he's a great manager. Very, I don't think he gets enough credit for what he, he's achieved. Uh, Eric Ten Hag is another one, but I believe he just signed a new contract at Ajax. Yeah. Uh, I would have taken Julian Nagelsmann as well, but he's moved on to, uh, to Bayern, I believe. Um, I would not Obviously, Jose Mourinho will touch on that. I, even if he was available, I would never want him around the club ever. <laughs> um, but out of, yeah, probably Allegri or Ten Hag, but I don't think either of those are going to happen. I, I have no idea where the club goes forward from here, but 
yeah, it'd, it'd be one of those two for me. Hear me out on this. Ready? Uh, Wenger comes out of retirement for one year. Arteta is the assistant. Arteta learns from him. Next year, he takes over full time, and you guys win the league. Hey, man, if I was like a fantasy and uh, <laughs> if we're playing football manager here and I can have a custom database and do all that stuff, yeah. But no, it's, it's, I think they're going to run with Arteta next year, see how he goes, see how he gets on with an actual, with uh, not an actual, he had a summer transfer window last year, but it was a bit shitty. Didn't have a summer, yeah, yeah, but he had a transfer window. So, yeah, I think they're going to run with him for one last year. And, but honestly, I can definitely see them moving on from him if results don't pick up. So that's that's pretty much all I have to say on Arsenal. Um, yeah, do we want to move on to the Champions League? Sure. Um, the Champions League. Uh, so sure. we uh, the semifinals are done now. We'll we'll start with the Man City PSG matchup. Yep. Uh, you know Pep Guardiola. He's officially again a Champions League finalist as City go on to win 4-1 on aggregate. Uh, Amara's brace in the time of fasting for Ramadan. Uh, <laughs> Neymar with a, a good but a very hard game to play without any help, I would say. Uh, no Drissaganage, Mbappe. Uh, we don't even want to talk about Icardi because Icardi... <laughs> um, you know, there's just... It was really tough for PSG and PSG, in my opinion, definitely weren't getting a lot of calls go their way, which prompted them to get a lot more aggressive, a lot, of, uh, a lot angrier towards the end of the game. You see a lot of fouls that just looked like straight out of the WWE, let alone, <laughs> let alone football. Um, what are your thoughts on the match, Bone? What are your thoughts about City as a Champions League finalist right now? First off, thoughts on the match. Shout out Pep Guardiola, my manager. Um, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, hell of a result for Manchester City Football Club. This is undoubtedly their biggest result in club history. They're in their first ever Champions League final. Um, and it just shows the character they have in that locker room. I think this is a team that I have them favored to win. Uh, we'll get to their matchup against Chelsea later, but I have them favored to win. But this just showed the resolve. They went down in that first in that first leg, obviously we're talking about the second leg, but going back to the first leg, they go down, PSG were, were cruising, they turn it around, score two goals. So they're a bit more comfortable, but they still have to come out and perform this game and perform they did. Uh, PSG had chances in the first half, but it was an absolute masterclass performance uh, from the city back line. We'll get to that in a bit. Ruben um, Diaz. Ruben Diaz and John Stone's masterclass. Uh, you can go buy that on iTunes and Amazon right now. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Mares top performance from him. He's really coming to his own this season. Uh, I heard on the bro, I believe it was on the broadcast. Uh, the commentators were saying that this was Mares's best season ever. And at first I thought back to myself and I said, no, this is, this is not his best season. His best season was the title winning season out last year. But then I thought, I'm like, no, man, he's doing this at the highest level. He's doing this in this champions league semifinal. He's, He's putting the team basically on his back. Like, you know what I mean? He's not, it's a very team effort, but like the performance Mara has put over these two legs is ridiculous. Um, as for the PSG side, Neymar, yeah, he tried his best as we have in the notes, but you can only do so much if it's one man. Um, and yeah, I think Pep Guardiola, he's finally done it with the resources available to him. And I think he will win the trophy. Um 
it's going to be a tight match in the final, but big props to City for getting to the final. Uh, very deserved winners over the two legs. I think you have to say that. Yeah, 100%. You mean, I mean, um, Pep Guardiola, as time and time again, he's uh, overcomplicated things. This time it has paid off the overcomplication of not playing a forward, as I've always said a million times over, uh, whether it's not playing a forward, uh, not using a right back, whatever it is, he always tends to do something that messes him up. This time it all worked out. Um, Riyad Mahrez, the fact that the season uh, this year relies on the uh, players like Riyad Mahrez, Ilkay Gundogan, John Stones, uh, Alexander Zinchenko, these are the types of players that have put City above the brink this year, which a lot of credit has to be given to them over the likes of uh, Raheem Sterling, uh, Kevin De Bruyne, which we know what they're going to bring to the table. But these players that have always been considered, oh, they're going there for the money. Oh, they're going to sit on the bench. Oh, they're going to just play for a a competing club. They're the players that are helping City get to this level. And um, a lot of credit needs to be given to them. Uh, You know, PSG, it looks like they're about to have the worst season of their life because Mm -hmm. we're going to talk about what's happening in the league on later. But um, just, yeah, fired a coach that has gotten his team to the Champions League final. Hired a coach who has beaten City in the semifinal in the quarterfinals before, can't do it again. Um, you know, but the main issue is that we talked about. Yeah, you said uh, Neymar tried his best, but I said a lot of slander of Neymar, and uh, I'm not a fan of it at all. Uh, I still stand by the fact that Neymar is one of the best ever. Neymar is a generational player, and um, I saw people compare him to the likes of Adel Tarat. Yeah. To the likes of Stefan El Sharawi. Can we can we can we step down just a tad? Just a tad. We're talking about Neymar da Silva Santos Jr. <laughs> We're not talking about no Stefan El Sharawi and no Adel Tarat. All right? We're talking about one of the best players ever, bro. Yeah. One of the best Brazilians ever. This guy at 24, 25 years old, he was already in the top three to four all-time goal scorers for Brazil. Do you know how crazy that is? He's done it for Brazil. He hasn't led them to the World Cup, but he's, I believe he won the Olympics back in, has he which won the Olympics? they have never won, which they have never yeah. won back in 2016. 2016, he's, Brazil falls short uh, time and time again. But again, you can't all play, put the blame on Neymar. Um He's won a Champions League with Barca. He's got to the final last year. He's basically done it all, but it's because he's so good. It's the expectation. It's just this, the standard in the bar is that much higher. And when he doesn't perform uh, to what people have ex- expect of him, he's going to catch slander. And we all saw that. People had their drafts, I'm sure, just loaded with Neymar slander tweets. It's very disrespectful to awards, I believe, one of the top three players in world football right now. Um, but... Keeping on the Paris side of this, PSG falls short of their revenge tour. They were my pick to win the the Champions League. I've said this before. They were my pick to win after the the Barcelona tie. Well, and what are our thoughts on Pochettino and his management of PSG? I believe it's very disorganized and it relies a lot on individual brilliance. What are your thoughts on that? I think think we saw this in the second leg especially. PSG, it'd be Neymar driving forward, driving runs at the defense, but past that, it was just it was basically give the ball to Neymar and hope for the best. What are your thoughts on how uh, Paul just set up the team? 
I don't think Poch is comfortable yet with this club. I think he's still a great manager. I think um, we saw it with Tottenham. A club like Tottenham, he brought to the Champions League final, you know? He's their best ever manager. Um, yeah. Which says, if you're a good manager for a club like Tottenham, that says a lot about you because Tottenham is a disaster of a club. Um, I think he needs some time. I think he's truly a man that needs some time because he definitely was just thrown into the mix here. He did not prepare for this. Like Out of nowhere, I remember it was Christmas Eve when we get news that Thomas Tuchel will now be fired by Paris Saint-Germain. We didn't know what was going to happen after that. We right. assumed someone like Pochettino was going to get called up, but he didn't get to pick any players that he wants to work with. He's kind of just got to work with what he has. And uh, I think maybe with another season under his belt, he's going to be a little bit more comfortable with the side. Right now, I, I would agree with you. They do look very unorganized. It does look like a more Neymar and inshallah kind of ball. Um, I just, I, I wish for the best for PSG because I want Neymar to, because it looks like Neymar, as um, you may not know, he just signed an extension with yep. PSG, I believe until 2026. Um, I believe until 2025, but yeah, he's uh, added a couple more years on his, on his 2025. deal. And I, I want him to win there. I, I very much want him to win because he's he's an unbelievable footballer and he deserves the world. Um, but on uh, on the other side, Ruben Diaz. So you have a note here. Is Ruben Diaz the best defender in the world at the moment? For me, it's an undoubtable yes. Yeah. What about you? Yeah, I agree. Um, I think if Van Dyke was playing in Liverpool, we're you know, up there in the Champions League race, up there in the Premier League race, it'd be an entirely different conversation, but he's not, that's not what's going on. Uh, Ruben Diaz, definitely for me, just how consistent he's been. He's brought in this season. He's t- entirely short up that back line. Uh, he's been quite the replacement, uh, quite the signing rather. And yeah, for me, best in the world. And it showed on, it showed last week in the semifinal. He's, he like it's weird because it seems like on paper someone like Americ Laporte is better, right? Yep. But then you pa- uh, you pair Americ Laporte with um, someone like John Stones doesn't work. You pair Ruben Diaz with anybody, best backline in the world. Yep. You know what I mean? It's he's an unbelievable talent. He's uh, the fact that he's only 22, 23 years old, something like that. He's still got because defenders have a lot longer in their careers than attackers and the midfielders do. Yep. The fact that he's still got so many years ahead of him, he's going to be fantastic. For me, honestly, I would go as far to say is that maybe he can be better than Van Dyke if Van Dyke is healthy right now. So I think Van Dyke has done wow. more. I think Van yeah. Dyke has done more, and Van Dyke makes his backline better. But I think as a defender, Ruben Diaz is superior to Virgil Van Dyke. If so, you're saying if they're both healthy, you take Diaz over a healthy Van Dyke. Yeah. Wow, that is quite the statement. I I can't, and that's a very interesting conversation to have because we haven't really seen that. Uh, we haven't ever seen them at both at the peak of their powers because Van Dyke he went down early this season. Um, Ruben Diaz come into his own at the end of the season when Van Dyke has been out the entire time. But hey, well maybe we'll see it next season. Maybe we'll see it this summer. Um, that's I'd love to see Portugal and uh, the Netherlands matched up against one another. That'd be maybe maybe we could see them in the summer if Endex healthy. But the only, yeah, but unfortunately, I don't know. Are you since you said you weren't on social media today, Van Dyke actually came out today and said he uh, is taking himself out of contention oh, to be selected so? for the Euros. Uh, he's going to work on his rehab for his knee. Fair so. enough. 
Well, look at me, Mr. Unprepared over here. No, uh, absolutely <laughs> not. Absolutely not. You know what? A lot of credit's got to be given to you, Bowen. You're one of the few people out here that can actually stay away from social media. You know, I wish I could do that after some of the things I see. I see people comparing Ruben Diaz to Maldini. You know? These yep. are the kind of things I see on social media. You avoid this stuff, more power to you, bro. I wish I could avoid. Because there's some things that just blow my mind sometimes that people are allowed to be on social media. You know? Like, why are you, why are you permitted to be on here? Anyways, don't even get me started. I could, we could have an an entire episode about that topic. Uh, Social media really just, it's, it's quite the place, but uh, (laughs) on to the next fixture, uh, Chelsea to Real Madrid nil. Chelsea advance 3-1 on aggregate. We both watched this match. Um, Timo Werner, he scores the top in, uh, he scored earlier than that in the first half, but then he scores the top in, it was called offside. Scores a tap, and that one counts. And then Mason Mount finishes it off late in the second half. Um, I coming in, it <clears throat> we'll cut that part out there. Um, Hazard and Ramos started for Real Madrid. Ultimately, it didn't matter. Um, it just didn't matter. Chelsea were pretty dominant in this match. They didn't have to play attacking. They they knew they didn't have to play attacking. Courtois had to make some incredible saves to keep Madrid in the tie. Um, and yeah, Benzema had Madrid's best chances. Mendy came up absolutely massive, notably the free header on goal and the curling shot from outside of the box. Uh, shout out to Chelsea, Ben. They, I had no, I had no chance of them making the final. And who knows, they could even go and win it. What are your thoughts on this tie? And what are your thoughts on the uh, second, second semifinal? Uh, I'm not gonna lie. When this season first started, I was a hater. I even went as far to say as Chelsea might not make it out of the group stage, even though they're in an easy group. I yeah. had no belief in Chelsea this year. Um, the way they started right. off the season was rough with under Frank Lampard. Uh, Timo Werner brought in as a goal scorer has not given that. He's been, he, he has not been horrible to the way that social media slandered him, yep. but he has not been what he's supposed to be, which is a goal scorer. You brought right. in 45 million worth of 20 to 25 goals a season, and he's not giving you that. Um, either way, it really doesn't matter because just like, uh, Torres did back in 2012, Werner just paid all of that money back with a goal in the semifinal against the best team in history. Mm -hmm. Um, you didn't even mention the fact that the biggest, uh, change for me in that round lineup actually was the fact that Ferland Mendy was back who single-handedly changes that defense massively because Marcelo is not anymore on that level of top defenders in Europe. Um, Ferland Mendy, you know, the pace and the strength he brings to that back line is ideal for Real Madrid. Ramos, I think that was his first start since January. Did not look, did not look very good. Hazard, we're not even going to talk about this guy in the Champions League because it seems every single year he does the same thing over and over again. Um, (laughs) What, what a, what a game. Like, I did not expect Chelsea Football Club to be in the Champions League final, but Neither here they are. And uh, a lot of credit needs to be given to a man that never gets enough, and that's N'Golo Kante. Yep. One of the best defensive midfielders ever, ever. This guy is everywhere. This guy is doing everything. And um, if they win the Champions League and if France wins the, Ballon- uh, the Euros, that's my Ballon d'Or pick. Wow. Wow, that 
That is quite the statement. Um, That's my Bondor pick. Oh, <laughs> I don't know what to. I don't know how to follow that up. Uh, Gee, really. From central midfield and in because that's the, the thing, role that yeah. Plays? That's the thing, it's an attacker's award, right? We yeah. always see the likes of Kaka, the likes of uh, uh, Ronaldo and Messi, uh, those kind of players win it. And we, uh, the last time we've seen a defensive player win it because Modric, I'd say, is an attacking minded player, is Paulo Cannavaro, who mm-hmm. you know he got it for winning the world cup. Who's to say that, um. Veng, uh, sorry, Veng, what am I talking about? Uh, <laughs> Angola Conte being a pivotal part of both France and Chelsea's teams to do the like, I wouldn't say France winning is the unthinkable, but Chelsea winning the Champions League is the unthinkable. I think a lot, a lot of considerations should be going his way for the Ballon d'Or this year. Well, and, and he'd have the silver, he'd have the silverware to back it up, right? And that's obviously plays in the Ballon d'Or every year. Um, hope, yeah, that, what that would be quite the achievement. Winning the Ballon d'Or for Ingo Alcante. He, he had better get top three, at least, if he does that. Like, he may not win it, but I think he should at least snag himself a top three spot. Um, is there anything else you want to say on this fixture? I, we'll touch on the Champions League final more in depth as we get closer to the match. But Yeah, um, we, we got something planned for the Champions League final. We'll, uh, yeah, yeah. we'll keep you guys in the loop. But 100%. Otherwise, you know... Hats off to Chelsea for a fantastic performance. Thomas Tuchel, yeah. um, great management, great, great management. And um, Angola Conte, you know, great player. Mason Mount, also a fantastic player. Um, uh, that's, all, that's all there is really to say. Um, yeah. the, the only thing that we do have here in the notes is that um, the Champions League final currently – when we did make this note, it said Istanbul yeah. is probably going to host it. We don't really know what's happening yet. We're hearing maybe it could be in a Estadio de Luz, which is Benfica Stadium in Portugal. It could be at Wembley. It could be at Villa Park, which is extremely interesting. Um, we don't really know what's happening, but from what we understand, it will not be in Istanbul. Um, yeah. We do get an all-English Champions League final, as we did a couple years back. But we do avoid an all-English European competition. As we have Villarreal saving me from the depths of hell, um, <laughs> you know, I'm listen. I think United is gonna wipe the floor with Villarreal, but I would adore to see Unai Emery win the Europa League again. That would be hilarious. <laughs> it hurts. Um, it hurts. We're gonna talk about that more coming to the final, also along with the Champions League final. But that's all that it really is to say about. Champions League in the Europa League, in my opinion. As for the Champions League final, I, just an hour ago from the Toronto Star, I'm reading okay. this off of Porto is set to be the confirmed host of the Champions League final. So it's going to Portugal. I see. Yeah. So it is going to Portugal. Yeah. So, yeah, we will do a big Champions League uh, show in the, in the weeks to come. But for right now, I think we've said all we need to say. Let's move on to some title race updates. So, England. Um, yesterday, actually, Manchester City were confirmed as champions due to Manchester United not getting a result uh, that they needed. They needed to win, but they didn't. They lost to Leicester. Um, but over the weekend, Manchester City actually played Chelsea in a Champions League final preview, you could say. wasn't actually what we're going to be seeing in the final, obviously. Both teams had a mixture of starters and rotation players. Um, so, yeah, obviously the media would have loved to hype this up as a final preview. It's just not. 
it, like we're not going to see that match and like we're, it's just not even going to be close to what we're going to see in the final. Um, so City took the lead through Raheem Sterling in the first half, and then Sergio Aguero missed a penalty on on halftime. So they could have been 2-0 up in the cruise control. Didn't happen. Chelsea come back and scored two goals in the second half to win. Obviously, Milan, neither team wanted to show their hand in this match, but this will definitely be a confidence boost to Chelsea because they've beaten Manchester City their last two times out they played them. Um, they also ended City's hopes of a quadruple back, uh, I believe, a month ago in the FA Cup in semifinal. Cup. Yeah. Um, but yeah, City are champions, so this this result is, doesn't even really matter to them. Um, but would, would you say this will – I think, personally, this will definitely – give Chelsea the, the confidence to say, hey, we beat you the last two times we played you. We're going to take it to you in the final. What are your thoughts that's, on that? That's exactly it, Bowen. The confidence that Chelsea is going to get from this is massive. If, yeah. um, you know, as they're not going to look at it as Man City was playing their rotational players. They're going to look at it as Man City was Man City. Yep. They're going to uh, remember that they were, know how to beat Pep Guardiola. Yep. And um, Thomas Tuchel, hats off to him for another great performance. As we just mentioned against Real Madrid, he did it again against City. Uh, oh, boy, and the dying embers of the match with a fantastic chip from um, Marcos Alonso. Uh, great result for Chelsea. Uh, still keeping them in hopes of ch- uh, Champions League qualification have they, had they not won the Champions League final this year. Yeah. Their hopes of life for a top four finish in England. Um, you know, it really didn't matter to City, but it was definitely something that they would have preferred to win and went on the day of. Exactly. Um, yeah. United, uh, we'll touch on that really quickly, that they lost to Leicester. Um, unfortunately, that puts Liverpool in a position that it looks like they're going to get Europa League football. Leicester is going to get the Champions League position. And United, um, you know, gifting the title, I guess, to City. But the credit's all got to go to Pep, not United. I mean, yeah, 100%. Pep Guardiola, as always, delivers at home. As I was saying, you know, Pep Guardiola delivers at home as always, and uh, hats off to him. Yep. But I don't know. I don't know what else to say, really. Well, yeah, and we can, we can touch on it briefly, but for people saying, I've heard from various people who are Manchester United fans that they have a chance to win the title this year. It's no, man. It, the Premier League's been done and dusted since January, February time. You, uh, yeah, but United could have made it a run. Clearly, they didn't have it in them to do it. It's not. It's not a case of United giving the title over to City. It's City just had the job done for months, and United just needed to drop points along the way, and they did. So, uh, yeah. Again, congrats to Manchester City. Another Premier League title win. Um, I think that's all we need to say on that. The next topic we have here, we're going to go over to Spain quickly um so barcelona on the weekend they played in a crucial match against atletico madrid ended up a nil-nil draw as many big games do end up in a nil-nil um <laughs> Atleti, at the time we're two points clear barca in third uh since then barca have actually gone and played another game where they drew three all against levante dropping points in a massive game for them and Atleti are going to play this afternoon, so they can really take a big four-point gap on on Barca. Um, but yeah, will we get title race? Um, again, it's probably for me been the best title race in all of Europe this year. Uh, in the next match, Real Madrid drew with Sevilla too well. Real trailed most of the match, and Eden Hazard comes up and scores in the 94th minute to equalize. But again, 
for me, this match was more about the top four race. None of these two teams, I don't think, Sevilla are too far out of the picture. In Real, they've just been too inconsistent down the stretch. Um, but yeah, shout out Sevilla. They actually probably should have won this match. Uh, but they're a lot of a lot of questionable refereeing decisions for both Madrid and Sevilla were uh, were on display yeah. in that match. But a lot of credit's got to go to both teams. Uh, you know, a lot of every fan is gonna feel hard done by right now because nothing changed after yep. a week of football. Nothing's changed at all because everyone drew. You know, exactly. And yeah, today, if anything happens big in the title race, it'd be Atleti winning because that would put them four points clear of Barcelona in second and five points clear of Real in third. So that could, I don't know if it could mathematically win them the title, but if they want to, if Atletico want to win the title, it'd be a, it'd be a big, a big step towards them doing that with a win today. So Simeone, we'll see what you got, big man. Can he, yeah. can he get it done? Uh, what any other thoughts on the Spain title race? I mean, we we said it, I believe, two weeks ago. This even if Atletico wins, they've made it way too hard on themselves this year. Um, a lot of questions should be asked of Diego Simeone at this point. Barcelona should have never been this close in the race. Real Madrid should have never been this close in the race. They've had more injuries than goals scored this year. (laughs) Um, you know, uh, I uh. All I can say is good luck to all the teams. I couldn't care less who wins because, it's, it's, like you said, it's the tightest European race we've seen in a long time. And I just yeah. want to see one of those teams hoist the trophy at the end of the year. Um, but that's all that we can really that's say about Spain. Spain. Yeah. But okay. in France. Wow. Now, France here is Losk Lille <laughs> are currently top of the league with two games left against games mid-table sides against mid-table sides which you know let's 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 be real here games at the end of the season they're all finals it doesn't matter if you're a mid-table side or not yep. every game is a big game but two mid-table sides in france as psg don't capitalize on their game lille win three nothing against Lons with two goals from burak ilmas who's been fantastic this year for lille and our Canadian boy, Jonathan David, scores the third goal, the finishing goal, putting Lille on 79 points, which puts them first in league on. Yes, sir. Owen, what, like, are you are you shocked? Because I am. I'm very shocked. I did not think Lille had this in them. A couple weeks ago in our last football pod, I said that they were going to bottle it. I thought PSG had all the strength in the world, even though they were behind, even though Lille have the head-to-head. I thought PSG had the had the winning mentality and it's clearly as of right now, as things stand, it's shown not to be the case whatsoever. Um, if we all pull this off, that would be magnificent. I think football would be saved. I think that's what we need. Um, <laughs> but honestly, on a, on a real note, yeah, we'll the consistency they've had down the stretch, they've been getting the results that they need. An, another massive result for them here because Lons are actually in the race for European football. Uh, they're just outside of the top five. They're in sixth uh, level on points with Marseille. So they were actually like, they were gunning for a, a result here and they they couldn't get it. But for me, honestly, had to have to pick, I think you have to, you have to think that we are going to go on and, and finish this off because PSG have a cup final as well. Uh, so they have, they have their mind on other places perhaps 
Um, they're still only three points back, but I think we are really going to have the confidence to go on and win the title, and that would be magnificent. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Um, for the sake of Jonathan David and Ronaldo Sanchez, I'm all for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, I, I'm going to be upset seeing Neymar not win, on a silver, win another silverware. Uh, Mbappe also won another silverware, but I love the underdog stories. I love seeing a team exactly. like Leo exactly. win. And, um, you know, they keep selling players, Leo, and they keep buying players that end up being so much better. Uh, Burak Yilmaz was, is playing like it's 2012. I remember Burak Yilmaz back on Galatasaray in 2012, yep. again, or 2013, actually, against Real Madrid, back when they had Drogba and Schneider as well. Um, that was, I thought he was an okay player. He's looking twice this player uh, he did then, right now. Exactly. Like, almost in his 30s, if not well into his 30s at this point. Yeah. Um, you know, colossal, colossal choke by PSG. Even if they weren't leading, it's we're talking about a team that is leaps and bounds ahead of every other team in this league. Um, it's it's embarrassing. It is. It is. I've had a PSG have had a whirlwind season. And they could honestly miss out on, on a trophy. And for the club of a stature of PSG, it's just... I saw they can miss out on Champions League still. They could. They, mathematically, it's it's still possible. They haven't clinched Champions League football. That's how, that's how close the race is in France. Because the first two spots are guaranteed. And the third spot, you only get... Qualifying. Qualifiers. So teams, teams could come up and jump them. And that would be even better. I think that would be even better for the beautiful game. If PSG dropped down to the Europa League, but again, that's my that's my bias coming through. Um, but yeah, is that is that all we have to say on on France? Any other thoughts? Uh, no, I mean, uh, let's go Lille. I hope uh, Jonathan David wins the title. That's all I have to say, really, for France. Solid. Okay. So, um, in other news, let's talk now about maybe a bit of international football and some other manager managerial hiring hirings. Yeah. First off, uh, Didier Deschamps. What Emmerich Laporte know that he will never, basically, will never be ever picked for the French national team. And now Laporte has said, that's it. I'm packing my bags. I'm playing for Spain. This is a massive, massive acquisition for Spain because a player of the quality of Laporte to not be playing international football for France is ridiculous. I'm sorry. This guy should at least be picked. If you, it's, it's, it's ridiculous just how it goes to show how stacked France are. Like we talk about a golden generation, you have a guy at the quality of Laporte not even not even playing for you. It's what's it's, crazy is we're seeing it now at City too. Yeah. Like now Laporte's not going to be picked for City either. Now he's going to have to get sold. Like this guy's. Ha- I feel horrible for him because he's a fantastic player that just yep. can't get picked for anyone. So for Spain, this is a massive acquisition. This he's he will slot right into their starting eleven. I I, I think you'd have to. Um, but yeah, Deschamps, Deschamps, he's look, he won a World Cup for France a couple of years back. Still, man, some of his selections baffle me at times. I he must be doing something right. Like the World Cup win obviously helps massively. Um Milan, in the bottom of the notes here, you said Theo Hernandez should fall suit. I would hate to see that happen, but honestly, I don't think he'll get picked anytime soon either. So I wouldn't be surprised if if this move by Laporte kind of spurs on some other players to, you know, take their talents elsewhere. You know, Laporte or Laporte uh, replacing 
Sergio Ramos and PK as the new guard for that defense, along with Pau Torres. I think it's Pau Lopez or Pau Torres. No, Pau, Pau Torres, pardon me. The guy from Villarreal. Yeah. Is a fantastic center-back partnership for Spain. Um, I feel like they're set defensively, uh, at least centrally defensively, um, for years to come at this point. And mm-hmm. on the left to replace uh, Jordi Alba, Teo Hernandez. This guy is the best player in the world at his position currently, and it's not even a bias. It's the truth, and he's not being able to get picked because of pure bias. Uh, I fully understand the issue with France is that there's an extreme amount of depth. Exactly. The likes of you've got players like Alexandre Lacazette. You've got Anthony Martial. These kind of players will never play in big tournaments for France because of the amount of attacking power they have. Karim Benzema will never get an international trophy. What uh, he's on the level of it, and it's not. It's also a lot to do with a lot of out, other outside things for Karim Benzema, but he will never play internationally. Um, Teo Hernandez, he played. He should, Benz, sorry to cut you off. Benzema did play at the 2014 World Cup. They just got, he did. They got knocked out. Yeah, they got knocked out, and then he had his drama with uh, Matthew Valbuena, which yep. rightfully so, he's not picked for the national team anymore. But what I'm saying is the fact that they have that much depth that they can lose the likes of a Kareem Benzema who's an all-time footballer and still they're able to undoubtedly be considered as the best team in the world, the best international team in the world. Like, there's not a lot... Like, yeah, people can say maybe Belgium's in the mix. You got um, Brazil. You got Germany. But you always know France is the best one, right? Exactly. Um, Teo Hernandez should truly consider this because... He's far, far too good to not play for a national side. Um, he's better than Ferland Mendy. He's better than Benjamin Mendy. He's better than Digne, uh, in my <laughs> personal opinion. Whether you think it's biased or not, he's he's shown it throughout this season, throughout last season. He's been fantastic, and he deserves a lot better. Oh, I agree. And, yeah, this this conversation just keeps going back to how, how stacked the cupboard is in France because Benzema, he's probably never, ever going to get picked again. Um, Kingsley Coman and like he's he's played for them, but Anthony Martial, Alex Lacazette, uh, Griezmann, and Pape, the list goes on and on. And obviously, some of these players have played, some haven't. But when you have that many players, it's a very hard decision for a manager to make. Um, you can't bring all those forwards to a tournament, obviously, but it just shows and it just goes position to position how deep they are. So, I could definitely see. Uh, some more players doing the same and following suit and who knows we'll see what happens but I think that was a very big pickup for Spain and uh, you know good for a good point it's too bad to see a player of his quality uh, switch nationalities but hey if it means he can play international football on the highest stage so be it so I think that's all we have to see on that uh, do you want to talk about this Roma Mourinho acquisition Yes, sir. I'm actually ecstatic about this because you are, uh, well. contrary to, uh, you know, Cristiano Ronaldo saying he wants a challenge and then joining a seven-time champion, this is a true challenge. Uh, mm. Jose Mourinho in the last few years has been questioned whether the game has passed by him or not, yep. whether he's not on the level of modern football. I think he's still, he's still there. I think Jose Mourinho is one of the best managers to ever coach at all, ever. And uh, if Roma has the facilities to be able to lure in the likes of Jose Mourinho, my understanding is, is they're planning on spending this summer. Mm. Uh, that's only good for the Serie A. That can only be good for the Serie A. And uh, I think 
if he gets lucky with some health from the likes of Nicola Zaniolo, um, they they were able to replace some dead wood um, in terms of getting a new goalkeeper, getting a new front line. Uh, from what I understand, Mkhitaryan and um, Chris Smalling both want to leave now because hmm. they, they left Man United to avoid Mourinho and now he's right back with them. Um, okay, yeah, that, that's interesting. But I, you know, Nicola Zaniolo, healthy under Jose Mourinho could be a very, very scary player, in my personal opinion. I think uh, the Italian league is ideal for Mourinho. We've seen it with Inter. He won the trouble there. Um, I think I, I'm, I'm happy for this. I, I'm not a Roma fan, obviously, but I'm ecstatic for this. Uh, I'm happy to see a lot of competition. I'm happy to see Roma compete. And I hope that this works out well for Roma. I, I agree. And I also think, uh, and this is more of a, I guess, a macro take looking at it. I'm not really focusing on Roma itself. Huh? I'm more focusing on Serie A itself. I think this is great for the league. It's going to get more eyes on, on the league, hopefully. Uh, we look at all the managers over there. We got Pioli, Conte, uh, Pirlo. Eh. <laughs> <laughs> but bringing, bringing Mourinho back to Serie A, that's, he always grabs the headlines. He's going to be you know that Roma games are going to get a lot more attention. At least I think 100%. You should. 100%. Um, yeah, you'll get more eyes on the league, and maybe you'll get more like long-term fans if it works out. Hey, whatever happens, happens. It's going to be a roller coaster. It's going to be, it's going to be very interesting to see what he can do, and if he can, if I think this might be one of his last chances to prove he can manage at a top at a top level. And let's see what happens. Personally, though, I'm excited. You I'm mean at the top level right now, though? We, we've we seen Mourinho do everything that needs to be done. Right. No. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, No. I'm not, I'm... <laughs> Whoa, because I, I, thought, I thought I was about to hear Mourinho slander. That's why no, I was... No, 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 no. Okay, 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 okay. No, I just think for him, his, his legacy is unquestionable. He's done it all, basically. Um, but yeah, I think this is for current Mourinho, current day Mourinho. I think this is, will be one of his last chances to show he's still got it in his bag, personally. Um, but again, I'm surprised to see that he found a job this quickly because he was just sacked from Tottenham, just I believe last month or within the last couple couple months. So, I, wow, I did not know he'd be getting a job that quickly, but I think it's a pivotal it's a pivotal stage in his career to see if he can if he can either do things with Roma and continue to, you know, stay around the top level of football or just move into a pundit. I don't know what will happen, but I'm excited to watch. 100%. Uh, you, let's just go into the last segment now before we close out the show. The Keja Godor of the week. Um, do you mind if I go first or do you have someone in mind? Yeah, right you, now go you, first. Get up? you go first. Um, I don't know if you saw this, Bowen, but... Uh, Ajax actually is going to be mm. my Kejagodor of the week after they won their uh, league title today. They actually melted down their trophy and made it into 45,000, I believe, stars and mailed them to the fans that could not be in the stadium right now uh, is... as a token of gratitude for their support throughout the season that could not be there. And I've got to give them hats off for that because if my club ever sent me silverware in that way, holy. That is something else. Yeah. Shout out Ajax, man. Shout uh, out Ajax. Well, we'll see how we do with the edit, but I'm gonna send uh, I'm gonna send Bowen a screenshot of that specific thing. Maybe we'll be able to get it into the video, but you know, shout out to Ajax for that. Great, <laughs> great 
uh, credit to them for, you know, taking care of their fans that are always there. Because at the end of the day, in football, the only thing you ever have are your fans. You don't, the money can disappear at any moment. We've seen it. Um, And it's the fans are always there. It showed too, right? It it definitely showed with the the Super Week and the backlash. Like fans still have a prominent voice in the game, and it's good to see that Ajax take care of them in that manner. All right. Um, for me, Kijugador. Let's go with Cassie. Okay. Uh, yeah, let's go with Cassie. I think he, Frank Cassie, he played a top performance on the weekend. Obviously missed that penalty. Pivotal in the midfield, though. One of the most underrated players. And I'm not just saying this because you're a Milan fan. I've told you this. I'm not saying this because you support the Rossoneri. But he's he hasn't got enough credit. He, he should get a lot more credit. And he put in a top performance over the weekend. So shout out to him. The president, baby. The president. Il Presidente. My guy. I know I know you saw Meg four guys at once. I did. I know I, you saw that. I, I know you saw that little dummy. <laughs> I know you saw that little dummy that he had. Whew. I jumped out of my chair when I saw that, man. That was uh oh. it was, that was football at the highest level. That was football as it's meant to be played. So one hundred percent. Well, I mean uh I think that wraps up the show. Uh, the Milan game just started. I believe the Chelsea and Arsenal game is starting in about five. It's about uh, to start, yeah. 12, so, 15. you know, we, we've got a busy day ahead of us still. We um, do. We, we got some more sports to talk about next week. But uh, on behalf of myself and Bowen, well, Bowen is going to close us out. But I just want to say thank you. Yeah, Moen. Uh well, you left me in an awkward spot. <laughs> my bad, my bad, my bad, my bad. Hey, thanks to everybody who follows our page, who listens to our show. As always, we appreciate you. We're going to do our best to push out more content, as much content going forward over the spring and summer. And for myself and Milan, this has been another episode of Slightly by Sports Talks. Take it easy, everybody. Peace.